The message that I'm going to share with you today um, is titled The Most Dangerous Weapon in the World. It's been around since the beginning of man. It's caused more wars. It's caused more marriages to be broken up. Homes to be broken up. Friendships to be broken up. You know, it's like a sniper. <laughs> Concealed as a sniper. More deadlier than a bullet, more powerful than a gun. And it's that four-inch thing in your mouth called the tongue. <laughs> and this probably won't be a big shouting message. I had a different message that I wanted to preach, that I felt like the Lord wanted me to preach. But on vacation, he confirmed that this was the one I was supposed to preach. Teresa and I were, I can't remember what we was doing, but I let my mouth speak too soon, and I hurt her feelings. And immediately, the Holy Spirit said, that's why I want you to speak on this. Because there's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with this at one time or another. But before I get into the message, I wanted to exalt him one more time. praise and worship team a hand. We are blessed with gifted musicians and singers. Like I said, this is not an easy message to proclaim, uh, but the bottom line, it touches and reaches each one of us here, and especially me. I can honestly say that. You know, once uh, there was a lady 
who was known as the most notorious gossip in her church. And she came down the aisle during revival on a Sunday morning. She took her pastor by the hand, burdened in tears. She said, I am so burdened, pastor. The Lord's convicted me of my gossip and I want to change. I want to do something about it. And the pastor said, well, sister, what do you actually intend to do about it? She said, I want to lay my tongue on the altar, pastor. And the pastor, as hard as he wanted to be serious, had a great big smile from one into the other and just said, honey, we don't have an altar big enough. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever known somebody that you know when you run across them, they're going to have something to say about somebody else? And for some reason, when they're about three or four minutes into the gossip, you find yourself joining them. I tell you what, don't tell them to say this. If you're listening to it, you're just as wrong. James tells us the tongue is a small animal, but boy, does it pot pack a powerful wallop, doesn't it? Proverbs, and I'll be going back to this scripture many times throughout this sermon. Chapter 18, verse 21 says, tells us death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, I can look across this congregation, I see a lot of people uh, that I've known throughout my life that have lived by this scripture, that life and power is in the tongue of life and death. I have a mother-in-law that has spoke life into situations throughout her life. I know the Dodens, so many of you here, have spoken life over things that the world would, would have said was dead. Whether it was a bad doctor's report, whether it was a sin or somebody had given up on, there's power in what you say. And there's also power in how you say it. <laughs> so let's look at James chapter three, uh, beginning in verse two. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body. I love this scripture. James, the brother of Jesus, is standing here and he says that we all stumble and we know that. In many different ways, we seem to fall. In fact, Paul tells us, for we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But James, in this scripture, he says, the one who can control what comes out of this thing right here, if we can control that, then we are a perfect man. In the Greek, the word perfect doesn't mean uh, without fault. It means mature man. When we mature in our faith and we put the word of God into us, so it can flow through us, we become literally to the point where we can start controlling what comes out of this mouth. And we can control, he says, the whole body. <laughs> Again, he's pinpointed one thing, our words, our words. If we can get our words under control, I guarantee you, you'll start to get your body. You'll start to get your mind under control. 
What are you putting into your heart? Which we'll be talking a lot about here in a second. Has anybody ever phrased something that came out of your mouth and the person you was saying it to uh, took it totally out of content? <laughs> okay. I knew there would probably, probably be several of us. I'd have my hands and my feet up in the air. <laughs> uh, but there's a story told of uh, Bubba and Billy Joe. They were out in the woods hunting when suddenly uh, Billy Joe grabbed his chest and he fell to the ground. He didn't seem to be breathing. His eyes were rolled back in his head. His tongue was hanging out of his mouth. Oh my goodness, terrified. Bubba whipped out his cell phone and called 911. He was in a frenzy. He said, my friend, my friend, he's dead. What can I do? And in a calm, still voice on the other end, the operator simply said, just take it easy. Calm down. Calm down. I can help. First, you need to make sure he's dead. There was a moment of silence. And then the operator heard the ring. <laughs> Bubba came back to the line. Okay, what do I do next? I'm certain the operator wishes she possibly could have phrased that in a, a different way. But my question is, have you ever opened your mouth and something came out? Something came out of your mouth that you wish you had in Aladdin's lamp that you could just start rubbing it and wish those words back in? Daily. <laughs> Daily. Oh, I think we've all done that. I think we've all probably been there. But the first thing I want to look at, the importance of your tongue, the importance of the thing that comes out of your mouth, is it determines our eternal destiny. That's a great and awesome thing, church, that this thing right here determines our eternal destiny. Over in Matthew 12, 36 through 37, it says, But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless or idle word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That is a mighty, powerful scripture. Not just in the things we do, not just how we act, but the words that come out of our mouth. Words matter. Words matter to the heavenly Father and Jesus himself. He says he's keeping a record. He's keeping a record of what comes out of our mouth. You know, it's easy for us to understand that he would keep a record of the filthy, vile, degrading, things that come out of our mouth. But Jesus here says every careless word, every idle word that comes out of our mouth, it's being written down. Man, as I studied and prayed over this message, I tell you what, church, man, all week long, I was asking God to forgive me from my mouth at different times. Things that I say, things that I don't say when I know I need to say. 
there's going to be a record of every careless word that comes out of our mouth and how it impacts the people around us. Words are incredible, incredibly powerful. They can build up. We know that. They can motivate. They can encourage. They can move us to another level. They can move other people to another level. But words also can tear down. They can hurt. They can dig deep. They can rip a hole in us that scars us. We know the old saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> That's simply not true. And some of, there's probably some of you here that have lived with a life with scars of hurt. Not from physical abuse, but verbal abuse that has scarred you. As I'm sitting here saying this, you're probably thinking, man, yeah, that, that scars there. Whether it was by a spouse, by a, a parent, a friend, someone that you cared about. Words matter. There's life and death in this little thing in our mouth. And you choose to use it the way you want to. And we'll see what's in our heart and what comes out, the difference that it can make. Over in Romans 10, 9 through 10, this is one of my favorite scriptures in the world. And we all know it by heart that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then he goes on and tells us, Simply, Paul's telling us how, how this happens. When we realize that we have a hole within us and it cannot be filled with things or uh, uh, substances, but it has to be filled by the Heavenly Father. And we realize and we ask Him to come in. He says we believe and when we believe that Jesus died and rose again and took our sins away, it results in righteousness or a right standing with God. But the importance of your tongue, it says, and with the mouth, with the mouth, we confess. And by doing so, it what? We are saved. There's power in words. Words are extremely important. In fact, they're so important, according to Jesus' words in Matthew, they determine not only our eternal destiny, but your destiny here on this earth. Now think about this. Words, they shape our lives. They truly shape our lives. Words that have been uh, spoken to us, those words that have been spoken over us, Wow. And those words that have been spoken about us, they determine and shape our lives. It's the same way as parents. We determine and shape our children's lives by what we speak over them. Are you speaking life or are you speaking death? And I truly believe what comes out of our mouth. I'm not just talking. I believe it's physical life and death and spiritual life and death. Your words matter. Our words will either justify us, Jesus says, or they'll condemn us. Think about it. 
The same thing in a court of law. A man is judged guilty or innocent by the testimony that is presented against him or for him. So if we use ugly, filthy, angry, spiteful, gossiping, um, grumbling, murmuring words, <laughs> I tell you what, we're going to be in trouble. Because in the end, these same words will testify against us. But on the other hand, if we use words that are kind and gracious, uplifting, edifying, profitable words, those same words will testify on our behalf at the day of judgment. So how important is our words? How important is the tongue? Proverbs 13.3, and I love this, Solomon, he says, He who guards, he who guards his lips guards his life. And the word guard in the Greek is overseer, or someone who oversees this right here, guards his life. But look at the second half of that. But he who speaks rashly or without thought literally will come to ruin. How often have we opened our mouth and like I said, wanted to take back what we said. We brought hurt to someone we loved, a spouse, a child, a friend. You know, you can say you're sorry immediately after the words have come out. And sorry definitely should be said. But you know what? You can't take those words back. The words are out there. They're bringing life or they're bringing death. Mm. We've got to watch what we say. The tongue exposes what kind of people we are. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34 through 35. You, you know, I'm not hearing a whole lot of shouting today. <laughs> For some reason, it was the same in the first service. I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. Jesus simply says here that our words will expose our heart. It tells what kind of a person we are. You know, we can't fake it until we make it. Truly, listen, high emotions, frustration, stress, anger will always reveal what's in your heart. It truly will. So my question would be, will your words that come out of your mouth during this time when you're angry with your spouse or your children are totally out of hand, <laughs> what words will come out of your mouth? Will, will they be words of faith and truth, words of life or words of death? I mean, there's discipline, of course, but what are you speaking over those you love? You see, our words expose our true nature. I mean, that's simply the bottom line. What lies beneath the surface, uh, the surface, what's in there, down deep. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what are you putting in there, down deep? Are you putting the truth of God's word into your heart? 
What have you put in your heart? Our words will always expose our character. True, I mean our true character. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the word says, the mouth will speak. And I love Psalms 141.3. Solomon's daddy, David. And David was a man after God's own heart. David had his faults. He knew how to sin. My goodness, he screwed up plenty. And he's crying out to God in 141, chapter 141, verse 3. And he says, set a guard, set an overseer, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. David knew, he knew what his words could do. He knew there was life and power in the tongue. And I guarantee you, his son Solomon probably got a lot of it from him. If anyone can sit, uh, listen to what James says in verse 26, chapter 1. If anyone considers himself religious. Okay, now he's talking to the church. If anyone considers himself religious, the Greek word for religious there is serving God. So if anyone considers himself serving God and yet he cannot keep a tight rein on this right here, <laughs> on his tongue, he deceives himself and his service of God is worthless. Powerful, powerful words. Mm. Point, our tongue directs the course of our lives. And we see in verse 3 and 4, I won't uh, read the whole thing, but the bottom line, he uses two analogies here. He uses the horse as one, how you can put a bridle or a bit in a horse's mouth and you could put a little young girl on top of that 1,200 pound animal. And that animal might want to go to the left, but that little girl can direct that horse in the direction she wants him to go. Not where the horse wants to go, but she has control. But the, the verse I really like is the example of the ship. They made some great ships back in that time that, ha that hauled tons of cargo. And he says, there's a little rudder that's put on the back of the ship that steers that ship with all the weight on the seas. And it makes it go wherever it wants. Even in the midst of storms, when the wind is blowing and the sea is raging, beating against that boat, it's a little bit harder to guide a ship with that rudder but it certainly can be done. So he's telling us here, as far as our tongue, the storms might come. The storms might come. The winds might be howling and the water coming up over the boat. But what you say matters. It will get you through the storm at what's coming out of your mouth. God is faithful faithful to his word. Let's examine the, the danger aspect of the tongue. <laughs> this little old lighter, if I can get it to work. 
that's no big deal, is it? We light candles with it. And James, my goodness, he uses the example in, in verse 6 of a little flame compared to our tongue. Look at what this little, little flame can do. Look at that. Pretty powerful. From a little flame, a forest fire can erupt. In fact, on October 8th, it's known as the Great Chicago Fire, 1871, in a barn in Chicago, a cow by the name of Miss O'Leary accidentally kicked over a lantern. The lantern fell into a small stack of hay. The hay caught fire, and from the fire, the fire spread, and the fire was over uh, within hours. 100,000 people were homeless. Over 17,000 buildings were destroyed. 300 people lost their lives. And it did over $400 million worth of damage today. It would have been billions just because of one accidental spark. So listen, church. So often, one inappropriate word can cause a tremendous amount of damage in our lives and in the lives of others. I wonder, church, how many friendships have been lost how many marriage relationships have been broken up? Even families separated because of one inappropriate, stupid word that they wish they could have taken back. Remember, a quick bucket of water on a spark will put it out. We'll fix it. Don't let the ember turn into a flame and the flame into a fire. You know, I was thinking uh, about social media. I'm not a big social media fan. I said in the first service, I remember when I got a card from TW and he said a bunch of stuff and he did it on purpose. Him and Bo had been calling back and forth and he said, I got this thing and it said pound sign something. So I asked Bo, I said, Bo, what's this pound sign? He started dying laughing. He said, well, you need to call TW. And I called T.W. and he said, Dad, that's the thing everybody knows. Now it's hashtag. <laughs> it shows you how in-depth I am on social media. Uh, but while, while social media has its uh, advantages, it definitely has its disadvantages too. A person can't see what the other person is post. I mean, their, their person how they're posting it, whether they're texting it, whatever it might be. We can't see the emotion that's going into it or vice versa. So look, I looked at Colossians 3.17. It says, whatever you do, number one, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We should never, never say Post, text, anything that we couldn't put Jesus' name to at the bottom. 
just uh, extra there. <laughs> the tongue defiles. The word defile means corrupt, dirty, or unclean. James 3, 6 uh, compares it to the last part. It, says, it sets the whole course of life on fire and itself is set on fire by hell. The word hell there is uh, Gehenna. In fact, Jesus uses it 11 times throughout the gospel. It was a garbage dump just outside of Jerusalem that was always on fire, was always burning. Satan, I mean, it shows you how powerful the tongue is that Satan wants to use. He compares this to a garbage dump that's constantly on fire. Oh, Jesus said in Matthew 15, 11, it's not what enters into the body that defiles the body. It's not what we put into our mouth that defiles the body, but it's what comes out. It's what comes out of the mouth. You know, people know where we stand. And I think about this. They, we see each other here on Sunday mornings, sitting in the pews, worshiping, glorifying God. Which is awesome, and I'm so thankful that you're here. But you know what? The bottom line, people know who you are. Not by Sunday morning, you sitting in a pew, but Monday morning when they hear you speak. What are you saying outside the walls of this church? The tongue devours in James 3, verse 7 through 8. Uh, he goes into the example of taming all these animals. Uh, but he says, no man can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. And the bottom line, if I was to put everything here in a nutshell, it would be simply, yeah, we cannot control this mouth. I've seen the best believers, word-believing, word-talking believers, stumble in this area. The only way this can ever be accomplished is through the Holy Spirit. And I've already said it, what we are putting in to our minds and into our hearts in the day of trouble, it will come out. From the biggest animal, from the elephant to the most wildest lion, they've all been uh, tamed. We've seen them at circuses and in zoos, but where do they end up? After they're done with them, they end up in a cage, don't they? Because they're wild animals. So we need to learn to cage our mouth. But, you know, the problem is anyone, any one of us is capable of letting the animal out of the cage. That's why we have to guard ourselves so much against this. And the third and final reason is uh, the divine purpose of the tongue. I love our Heavenly Father. There's a divine purpose for this thing in our mouth that causes so much trouble for each and every one of us at different times. <laughs> it's a divine purpose. James uh, 9 through 12 says that the tongue can be I mean, can accomplish spiritually what nothing else can accomplish physically. It's our words through his words that change life. Here's what I want to say. Our words can change lives for eternity. You know, I've been talking so much about the, the negative aspect of the tongue. But let me tell you, 
the difference that your words can make in your family, in your friends, in the workplace, outside the walls of this church. It's this thing right here, this mouth, that can bring hope to a person that is so caught up in addiction that they see no way out. It's those words of hope. It's this thing when a person has gotten a horrible doctor's report that can bring peace and comfort at that time because they can speak life into them. Oh, this our mouth can do such wonderful and great things if we allow it if we allow it to. It's physically impossible for a fountain to send out both fresh and bitter water. It's physically impossible for a fig tree, James says, to produce olives or vines, produce figs or salt water to produce fresh water. Yet, in verse 9 he says, so often... I know I'm stepping on my toes big time. So often the tongue does just that. It's used to bless God. We come in here and we worship and we praise him. And we turn around and curse men. It's used for glory and it's used for gossip. It's used to bless and it's used to bury. It's used to help and it's used to hurt. It's used to praise and it's used to pollute. But you know, I truly believe that everything that God has made has been made for divine purpose. And our tongue has been made for just that. You know, this uh, old saying, think before you speak. I truly believe that. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue should be used for edification. Jonathan, if you could come up. I guess my question is just simply, and I can't answer this for you. You're the only one that can answer this. How are your words affecting your life? Are you speaking life over yourself? <laughs> How are your words affecting your life and the lives of the people around you? How are your, your words affecting your walk with your Heavenly Father? How are your words affecting your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your friends? James 1.19 says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, there's a story of a man uh, in the Bible named Barnabas. His name was uh, Encourager, son of encouragement. I mean, he truly was an encourager. He was there for Paul when Paul first came into the ministry to the, uh, the church itself. And him and Paul, on their first missionary journey, as they started to go, they took a young man with him, with them named John Mark who saw some wonderful and powerful things. And halfway through the journey, for some reason, John Mark decided, man, I've had enough. 
I'm going home. Whether he was homesick, the Bible doesn't tell why. But he left them. As they finished the missionary journey, later they decided to go back to all the towns that they had set up churches in to encourage them to see how they was doing. And I love Barnabas. Barnabas said, you know, I want to take John Mark and Paul. Man, he was so against that. I don't know the whole conversation, but it, it, I mean, it was a bitter conversation as far as they ended up separating ways because Barnabas chose to take John Mark with him and Paul took Silas. Can you imagine John Mark, the hurt he must have felt that Paul didn't want him at this point on this journey, but Barnabas saw the potential in John Mark and he spoke the words that came out of his mouth to encourage John Mark and he's the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. In fact, John Mark comes to visit and Paul personally asked for John Mark when he was in prison later on because he saw what God had done in his life and I believe that was all through the words that were spoken from his brother Barnabas. Would you bow your heads with me just a second? I know this was not the most upbeat message, but I know there's not a one in here that doesn't struggle or deal with this. No matter how close we are to the Lord. So let me just ask the same question I asked in the first service. If you're here and you have trouble with this little animal in our mouth, would you raise your hand with me? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Wow. Well, I believe that our God is more than enough. And when he sees our heart's desire, I believe he wants to meet that heart desire. Father, we just come to you now in the name of Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name, for myself, for every person that raised their hands, that, Father, I just feel like this week they are going to have that opportunity to stand fast and firm for what's in their heart as they will have opportunity because I know the devil, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We'll have the opportunity to hold their tongue this week, Lord. We'll have the opportunity to speak life to people around them. And I pray, Lord, you give them the boldness to do just that, to glorify your kingdom with the truth of who they are in you. Bless their lives this week, Lord. In Jesus' name.